Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. We're going to have fun tonight. We're going to have an experience tonight. Yogi Bhajan once said that life is about experience, and experience must be understood. So we're going to have an experience tonight, and we're going to explain the experience so that we understand it. Because otherwise you'll leave here with a great feeling and a brain full of questions. And it's like a jilted lover your brain when it's full of questions. It's kind of nasty, kind of noisy. And so we'll satisfy the brain as well as the, the body, the vision and the, vis and the visceral. Hmm? <clears throat> I told you that I would explain and so that we could understand. If I don't explain this, your brain will be wondering all evening why I put this on. And uh, it's because I use it both as a damper pedal, like a piano, but I also use it to do rhythm with the guitar. So. And I have the, the bracelets, which would tear up the guitar. One time, Yogi Bhajan was doing his normal chanting. We musicians said he had an interesting singing voice. And you know that when you ask somebody, what do you think? And you, they say, well, it was interesting. <laughs> you know that there's a lot of information being withheld. So we just left it at that. Amongst ourselves, we said his singing voice is interesting. And then one evening, a new musician joined us. And this person had never been around Yogi Bhajan. Um, and this person was a trained opera singer who had an ear that I guess was uncomfortable around interesting singing voices. So she marches up to him at the end of class and said what we had all never said before. 
that was, sir, you know that you sing off key? And he looked at her and he said, no. We all thought, oh, he means, no, I didn't know. Thank you for telling me. It's not what he meant. He meant, no, I don't sing off key, he went on to explain. I sing my key, and you sing yours. It's up to you to find the harmony in that. So that gives you license. I don't want to have anybody in here holding back. You get it? So I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to say, hey, I'm going to sing my key. Go ahead and sing yours. story there's only a little bit of difference between a professional singer and an amateur it's not in when they hit the bad note it's their expression when they hit the bad note a professional when they hit the bad note they go and everybody believes that that's the note that they meant to hit. So then it's up to the audience to figure out why did they hit that note. But they never think that it could have been a bad note. That's how jazz was created, you know. Jazz is just filled with bad notes. So you got to do what uh, professionals do. You hit the bad note, you smile and bend it. And at some point in time, you're going to hit it. But you don't care when. So I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I want you to say, hey, put up with it. We can wait. So we'll chant this exactly what we chant, chanted a little bit ago.
Now you did, you crept into a space where you hadn't been before, didn't you? Just a little bit, right? You let a little bit of the leash out, didn't you? Huh? That was a question. It was very interesting. I was telling the level two class over the weekend that you made that up. That chant has never been chanted just like that before. Never used those chords in that chant. What happens is that, and that's what I was doing before we got started, was picking up the room. And that's what we want to work with tonight. How do you pick up the environment. How do you, you know, like life as a human being is like a stupid life. <laughs> and yet, life as a human being is to be the wisest life. Because we have all of the equipment that is connected to all of the sensory systems that can know exactly what is at all times. Exactly what is at all times. We call it intuition, we call it psychic ability, we call it so many things. But in fact, everybody is born with it. Some people's genetic backgrounds, you know, their ancestry, developed it so that it comes in a little more active, but that's me, that doesn't mean anything other than just it's a little more active. Everyone has the capacity to entrain it. So that when you walk into any room, you make it your home. And then you enable everyone in the room to feel at home. And when you walk into a room and you make it your home and enable others to feel at home, you experience an ocean of love in the room. And if there's a task to be done, it's done much e more easily. If there's relationships to be developed, they develop more easily because you're looking at people as if they're just an aspect of yourself, looking back at yourself. And when you engage in that moment, your curiosity, who am I looking back at me? Rather than who are you, you draw a person in and if your intention at that moment, because it's a vulnerable moment, 
If your intention in that moment is completely benevolent, it is meant for everyone's benefit, then you draw them in, you enthusiastically assist in the development of whatever it is that has gathered you together, and there is absolutely zero karmic debt. Is it manipulation? Yes. But it is not manipulation in the bad connotation. Manipulation. Ipulation is to unpuzzle the puzzle. Ipulate is to unpuzzle the puzzle. Man is the mind and also the hands. So it means that you use your, you use your mind and your actions. That's what hands represent. You use your mind and your actions in the moment to unpuzzle the puzzle. What is the puzzle? The puzzle may be a project. The puzzle may be an issue that you have to solve. The puzzle may just be relationships. I remember there was a member of my family, my extended family, that met me when I was in my mid-teens. And this person would never allow me to be any older than what that meeting demonstrated. But there was a lot of change after my mid-teens in you know, who I was, what I was, etc., etc. And it would always bug me. I was limited by the limitation of the relation. And one day, my mom lived to be 99. She was in her 90s. And she was a yogi. My father was a yogi. And she saw what was going on and she said, Really? With such an intense curiosity, an innocent but intense curiosity for a person in their 90s, it was, Really? Like, that's still going on? <laughs> and that person and myself looked at each other and in that moment, because of the tone of her voice, because she had entered that room, made it her home, and then was not going to have anybody in that room not feeling at home. And believe me, the two of us were not feeling at home in the moment. Right? Because the tension was there, had been there for decades. And in that one tone, whoa, from that moment on, we recognized each other in the presence, in the present moment, and have been best friends ever since. So every once in a while you have to do that to yourself. You have to take the position of the wise elder and go, really? You still, you still stuck on that? Because when you address the issue that you are stuck on, my daughter says, the issue that needs a tissue. <laughs> when you are stuck on that and you give yourself that innocent, curious, we're not leaving the room till this is fixed attitude in your tone, it works out.
to get settled. Because the only difference between its issue, nature, and its resolution is just a moment of shift in the belief. And every one of us throughout our lives will face a lineup of that which we have as lessons in this incarnation. Some of them will seem significant, some of them will seem petty, but they will all need to be resolved. And every single one of them can be resolved in a moment in shifting the angle of perception which changes the belief. It's like we were speaking of alligators. We used alligators as a metaphor over the weekend. And if you haven't heard it, there's an old story as to how to catch an alligator. And you take a telescope and you turn it back to front. You know, if you take a telescope and turn it back to front, it makes everything look really tiny. So you turn it back to front and you look at the alligator and it's a little tiny thing now. And then you just reach over there and you pick it up. It's a little tiny thing, right? And you get a matchbox and you stick it in the matchbox and you cut some air holes in it. And then you got a pet alligator. <laughs> and they're very cute. You'll be the talking point of all the gatherings, right? Oh, there's Guru Singh with the little alligator. And the reason you want to make the alligator, which is, you know, the, the monster in your life, small, is because it is. And the difference between seeing it as something that is overwhelming and seeing it as something that you're equal to, that you're ready for, that you are completely prepared to handle, is a belief. And the moment you believe that you're ready to handle it, you actually end up handling it. It does the events. There's a Buddhist prayer that the Buddha used to say, the people I am to meet, I shall meet. The things I am to do, I shall do. The places I am to go, I shall go. The thoughts I am to have, I shall have. The opportunities that are to come will come. And it goes on and on and on. And what it means is that in that moment of equilibrium, in that moment of equality, where you are equal to the task, whatever the task is, you have opened up a channel in your psycho-emotional somatic nature, your mental, your emotional, and your physical nature. You've opened up a channel that things begin to happen with ease. Because... Ease is the physical base. I use this metaphor because it's something that we can all relate to. You see that there's two different colors in the room, correct? There's the color on the ceiling and then the color on the, on the walls and the, um, the slanted portion. And there's even a third color because there's Satnam written on the back. Every one of those colors began as the same color, didn't they? Every one of those colors began as a bucket, either a, a pint, a quart, a gallon, or a, a larger bucket of white base paint. 
and then the pigments were put into it and it was stirred and shaken until it became those colors. But they all started out, the base of all that was the same. The base of all emotion is the same. The base of all physical activity is the same. The base of all mental activity is the same. The base of all spiritual activity is the same. They're not the same as each other because they're different substances. But every physical condition is on top of ease. Every other physical condition is a distortion of ease in some way. Emotionally, the base is joy. Every other emotion is a distortion of the base of emotional ease, which is joy. Every mental event other than the base is a distortion of the base, which is knowing, because the ease of the mind is knowing. Spiritually, the base is liberation, because that's the ease of spirit. The ease of spirit is liberation. So when you are at ease, and your emotions come to ease, then you experience this joy, which is not happiness, it's not giddiness, it's not excited, it's not excitement, it's just this deep joy. When you walk into a room and you make it your home, in that room you're physically at ease, you're emotionally at the base of joy, you're mentally knowing because you have a connection to everything anyway. So the moment your mind goes at ease, you stop putting any barrier between you and that knowledge. And the knowledge comes to you. And in that state, you're spiritually liberated. And if you can maintain that state in different settings, then you can walk in your life as a solution, as a constant solution. And then the future is just an extension of the solution that is now. And that is a liberated state. And that is what is drawing every single soul on its journey through time, space, space-time. That urge. Because the absence of that produces tension, pressure, stress, and friction which is the thing which urges you to become that. And in the journey of your urge to become that, you pass through what we mentioned a moment ago, 
the lessons that are set up on your road. And each one of those lessons you're equal to. And the more that you understand your equality in each moment, the more readily you pass through each moment. You don't get attachments. You don't get injured. I was walking around the uh, third floor of Mary's home today. And the third floor is like this, only the slants are much lower. About this high. And after the third encounter, (laughs) I thought, hmm, I'm either a little ahead of the moment or I'm a little behind the moment because the moment is perfect. But this encounter, no, this... And it wasn't a serious encounter. It was just uh, one of those... Hey, buddy, get with it, (laughs) kind of encounter. And I thought, okay, let me just stop for a moment. And that which in your physical body knows where everything is, it knows where everything outside is, and it knows where everything inside is, knows where your feet are, it knows where the stairs are. If you stub your toe on a stair or on a curb, It's because of this is out of alignment. And that is the inner ear. The inner ear, the cochlea, where all of those little fine filament hairs are. Because it is picking up the sensation of the sound of air pressing. Blind people have this on steroids. That's probably kind of a rude metaphor to use. They have it in a hyperstate. They, when they're tapping the stick, they're hearing it like sonar. They're hearing it reflect off of surfaces. And so they know when that stick approaches a curb, it sounds different than it did when it was tapping in the middle of the road. And these are sounds so subtle that they're only picked up in that inner ear. And that inner ear through the eustachian tube tubes, is connected to your throat. Your throat is connected to your understanding. That's the nature of the throat. The throat is what puts what you know into words so that you can understand what you know. That's the nature of your throat center. So having your throat open means that you trust that you know. So the inner ear, the eustachian tubes, the throat, all needs to be in alignment for you to know where everything is, including those slanted pieces on the ceiling, including the stairs. Because you don't look at stairs normally when you're walking up them unless you're walking up them for the first time. But once you get a feel for the stairs, once you get a feel for the environment, then it's all 
recorded here. Imagine you have that same knowledge the moment you see a face. The moment you meet a person, you know them. Everything about them, their history and their future. Yogi Bhajan would call it their history and their mystery. And he said, all it takes is 40 words. You listen to 40 words and your inner ear knows from the intonation, the topography of the sound, knows exactly who you're with. And by knowing who you're with, you can know how you may assist them. And that's what produces what's known as a life of service. And they've done studies, they've done biochemical studies, that when you're in service, the biochemistry of your body is so outstandingly healthy. Everything about you in that moment when you are of service and it's service without the thought of reward, you know, you're just wanting to help someone. Biochemically, your body goes into a state which is called a state of grace. So the more often you can be of service, go find some organization that feeds the homeless, right? Wrap tacos or whatever. Go out and pass out lunch bags. And your system, your biochemical system, becomes outstandingly healthy. So you may not be doing it for the reward, but the reward is going to come. So in other words, tied into the human system of knowing is the opportunity of serving. That is quite different than what we are hearing in the public conversation. And that's why the public conversation to a person as sensitive as yourselves is quite rude. And you kind of callous up and toughen up in order to just be in the midst of the public conversation and not be completely destroyed by its nature. So you toughen up. But I'll tell you, a better way of responding to the public conversation is to understand that you are the only adults on the planet. And therefore, it's time for you to show up as the responsible party. And the way we show up as the responsible party is we constantly are checking 
our knowing. We're constantly determining how is it that I can serve? How can I be of service in this moment? And what takes place is that our needs are met. And that's the beauty of the human creature when the human creature is being humane. And that's who you are. You're the ones that are here on earth to demonstrate this by your example. In the midst of blindness, in the midst of ignorance, in the midst of disbelief, it will be your consistency and your persistency that ultimately prevails. Make sense? Yogi Bhajan called this place a half-star hotel. (laughs) And he said, even that was perhaps too generous. So here you are. You've just inherited a half-star hotel. And the guests are all snot-nosed kids. A bit like three-quarters of the way through Lord of the Flies. Got ugly there, didn't it? About three-quarters of the way through, it was getting really ugly, right? And that is the nature of our assignment in this lifetime. And so we use Kundalini Yoga to enable our capacity to work with this half-star hotel. And what I wanted to really impress upon you this evening is that each day we, we wake up in a bit of a quandary. It's just the nature of <coughs> spending time asleep, spending time unconscious. And that quandary is that we have this equipment which is really refined, but in order to use it properly, we have to completely insert ourselves into it. We can't just wake up in the morning and take what's being given. We have to take what's being given and move it to what's going to be most useful. And so we'll do the first part of the class, which is stretching into the glove because you kind of wake up in the morning looking a little bit like your pajamas. You know, they're not fully pressed. And except for the cutesy look, they're not that impressive either, right? And um, so you wake up in that bit of dishevel. And not only do you wake up in the morning in a bit of that dishevel, but you, you wake up in life in a bit of that dishevel. And so you have to be persistent and 
stretch into the glove. And then once you've stretched into the glove, you have to then, the next step is to establish your identity. And your identity is established via what's called the axis vertebra, which is the second cervical vertebra in your neck. And so you have, and I, obviously this is not to scale. Um, you have a top vertebra, which is called the atlas. Obvi- and, and this is also not, this is a graphic, this is not an exact depiction. So, it's interesting. Yeah, you were going to say that. I could feel it. It was like, it was like rising in the room. It was like ready to be spoken. So, this second vertebra is the axis. And the axis defines what you are and what you are not. Right? In other words, you can see me because there's a distinction between what I am and what I'm not. I just read an article that they're developing the Harry Potter cloak. And what the Harry Potter cloak does is that, and it's not something that people wear, it's something that, they're, that they can put on airplanes and trucks and things. And it's this, it's this outer layer that's made up of these hexagons which transmit a signal. The fir- first thing they do is that they understand their background. So for me, if I was wearing such an event, it would understand my background and it would project from the front, it would project what's behind me. So your eyes wouldn't see me. You would just see what's directly behind me because the back of the event is understanding what's back there and projecting it forward from here, right? Interesting. I mean, we think that my mom was born, my dad was born in 1901, my mom was born in 1904, my father used to hook up the horses, my mom did too. Telephones came later, you know. One time I called from India and my mom was was living with us by this time and the, the... the lady that stayed with her at the house had her out and they were out doing errands. And so I called the lady and it was in the days of the little flip phone, you know, that little tiny thing that you would flip open. And um, she answers the phone and then I hear her say, here, it's your son. And my mom, I can hear her in the background looking at this little flip phone going, that's not Guru Singh. <laughs> and then she says, no, that's a telephone. And then, hello? You know, like yell at it, right? Because you, you, she knows Guru Singh is in India. So, hello? You know? Because she grew up with the thing that you cranked, right? 
So imagine these things are going to be really common, this technology. So you know who I am because you can see what I block. I block this much of all of that which you can see when you're looking at me. And then everything else is an interpretation. You're interpreting my skin, you're interpreting my clothing, you're interpreting things. And every one of you sees me as a different creature. There's some commonality, but you all have your own interpretation. That comes from the axis vertebra, comes from the second vertebra, it's called C2. And the way that one is activated is with lateral movement, with the movement from side to side. Because as you move it from side to side, it is experiencing a different angle of what it is that you're viewing, right? And it's in that different angle, it's making comparisons. And it's calculating all of those comparisons, and then it assembles a picture of what you are and what you are not. What this person is and what this person is not. What that person is and what that person is not. And you're constantly processing this information. Now, in the early stages of this development, you're all on the outside of yourself. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? But when you've developed your conscious awareness to that ease, joy, knowing, and liberation, then you're no longer outside of yourself. You're actually absorbing everything else as another facet of yourself. And that fills you. And when you can experience in that identity point of that axis vertebra, when you can experience everything as a facet of yourself, you become full. You become full of yourself, which is a good thing. Because then you experience the sensation of fulfillment. And no matter who you're with, you feel quite comfortable. Even the ones that are uncomfortable to be around, you find comfort in that discomfort because it actually gives you more of a reference. The only difference between a comfortable and an uncomfortable, whether it's a view, a sound, a smell, a taste, or a feeling, the only difference between comfort and discomfort is the degree of friction. When you begin to interpret the friction as more distinguishing information, then you find comfort in the discomfort. Because you're just knowing that in this moment, I'm absorbing more information. And moments you just put that on your sense, I'm just absorbing more information, suddenly, You're good with the room. You're equal to the moment. 
And what happens when you're equal to the moment? Remember? Seven minutes ago? Hmm? Say it louder. You feel free. You feel liberated. You feel capable. Isn't that liberating when you feel capable? Yes? Now, the interesting thing about these vertebrae is that they lead down to this area which allows the brain, which is working very hard to try to figure everything out, but suddenly this is all allowed to come into the heart. And when you come into the heart, your blood pressure comes back down. Because when the heart isn't being relaxed to absorb the circumstance, it, the blood pressure goes up. That's why the number one event on you know, destroying human beings on the planet is, is hypertension, which means high blood pressure. Yes, hypertension. This vertebrae up here, C1, we then go into next because we've established, we've stretched into the body glove, we've established identity as inclusive. We then say, okay, we got this, now let's go beyond this, let's, give, let's go beyond space-time, let's go beyond these dimensions, let's go into that information which is going to serve these dimensions which is, if you're going to get what you've always got, then just keep doing what you've always done. So if you want to get what you've never gotten, which is complete solution and resolution, then you have to bring in the information that's not common, correct? And how that happens is through what's called the atlas. The axis, the atlas. And that's this. Because what happens is that when this, when this rotates, it opens up new nerve centers. It opens up, it exposes nerve centers that haven't been exposed before. If you want to understand somebody, do you go, <laughs> or do you go, hmm, interesting. <laughs> right? Right? It's a natural response, isn't it? What happens when you go like this, you open ever so slightly that atlas vertebra and it views, it literally views, ah. If you feel very insecure, you're never going to go, ah. You're going to go, oh. Right? You're going to hide that atlas vertebra and you're going to look around for your escape route. My identity is fear. Let me find my way out of here, right? And so what we do in Kundalini <clears throat> is we literally work with our physical instrument, the physical mechanism, just like I worked with this at the beginning of class and I found out who you were. I can't even, I couldn't play it right now if I tried. 
I, that's why I record everything, because I have to listen to what it was. Because it's this different moment. But it was something like... That's who you are. That's who you are. And so this is a big heart. And it's a living being. We think of it as inanimate, but that's because we are ignorant. <laughs> no two ways about it. Everything's got soul. Everything's got soul. Don't you remember Frank Zappa? Help, I'm a rock. Help, I'm a rock. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the early incarnation is mineral. So we open up to the room. We open up to the circumstance. And then we have to process the information. And the way you process the information is to know that it's already been processed. And that your task is simply to absorb that which already is. This is trying to put a very complex equation into the simplest of terms. And the way that you can respond to this is not with curiosity, but with knowing. So I would like you to utter a mantra right now. Mm. Yeah, the head has to go. Mm. Mm. Doesn't that make you feel like an authority? <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. Doesn't it? Huh? Everything that we've just talked about, by the way, you, you'll be able to access this because we record everything. You'll be able to access all of this information through 10th Gate. They'll have it for you, the recording. But all of what we've just talked about and everything that we're going to be working with in tonight's class, you now, you now understand. Do it again. And then do this. You got that right. Do it. Give yourselves a hand. And you just gave yourself about another 24 inches of leash, I'll tell you, because I was like, oh, just... And you, like, pretty soon we'll get to the off-leash dog park, and then we'll be in good shape, you know? Then we'll be really in good shape, right? Whew, yeah. All right, Sandy Point Beach, you know, let that dog off the leash. So, let's, uh, we'll start out with... Stretching, remember, we start out with stretching into the glove. So just take hold of your knees and let's stretch into the pelvis. Do we have cookies here tonight? Huh? Do we have cookies here tonight? Yes? Don't you feel like a cookie? Huh? I feel like a cookie. I, she says, I am a cookie. <laughs> Good one. And yogi tea, yes? Ooh. We just might have to end class a speck early. Yeah? Just a couple minutes anyway.
bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.